Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio, the podcast where top performers spill their secrets to empower you on your journey to personal and professional success. I am Denise Griffiths, your host, and with my outstanding guests, we are here to offer inspiring and actionable insights that will elevate both your life and your business. Ranked in the top 2% globally, this podcast really is a must-listen, so sit back, relax, and get ready to glean wisdom that will propel you forward. And today I'm excited. I am delighted to welcome back to Celeste Mergens. And she is, this is part two. She was with me last Saturday. She is the visionary behind Days for Girls. And in this episode, we're going to delve deeper into the impact of her global movement for women's health and menstrual health equity. Not something you hear a lot about, but you need to hear this and you need to hear why she does it, how she does it, and why we can make change in positive ways if we just pay attention. So join us as we explore the continued journey from breaking taboos to creating lasting change and discover more about the resilience, dignity, and fight, this important resiliency, dignity, and fight for women's equity detailed in her book, The Power of Days. It's on my desk it's an amazing read. So get ready for another inspiring chapter in the story of making a difference worldwide. Good morning, Celeste, and thank you for joining me again on a Saturday morning. I don't ever do Saturday morning podcasts, but we did it last Saturday. And when I had the opportunity to do a back-to-back interview series with you, I said, let's do it next Saturday too. So here you are. And thank you. Lucky me. We have a good time. (laughs) It was. It just so happened. We had you scheduled for Friday, which is one of my normal days, and it just didn't work out for some reason. So you were gracious enough to say, sure, I can you know, meet you on Saturday. And then after that, I was like, okay, we cannot stop here. This is such an important story. Thank you. It's really, it really is because it's proof that during really difficult things, we can actually make a tremendous difference right now. There is so much swirling of catastrophe that it's easy to give up. So this book and this conversation is all about the hope. It is absolutely possible for change. It is. And honestly, when I first spoke with you, I always do a pre-interview. I caught myself wondering, I think out loud, how can this be part of a business podcast? And the more you talk to me, I went, oh, I get it. Because you have created this enormous um, and I want to say foundation. I know that's not what it is. It's a, tell me non-profit. what it is. Nonprofit, right? Yeah. And I know that in my head, but my mouth doesn't want to get out there and go, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> but you have created this enormous nonprofit that is all over the world. And before we go too far back, you know, just tell people about it because they may not have heard the first podcast. So let's catch up people about what it is and what you're doing. And then I've got questions. Wonderful. Well, Days for Girls helps women and girls get their days back. Days that were lost to not having what they need for their menstrual cycle. Now, that is not something we usually volunteer to talk about. But the truth is that all over the world, people are missing opportunity for work and going to school and feeling confident in having strength and health because of a lack of education about menstruation and lack of understanding about uh, how to stay healthy and lack of understand or lack of access to what they need 
So I never knew this existed before. I ran into it face to face and just was blown away that this was an issue at all. And it turned out that it's a global issue today. Days for Girls has reached more than 3.1 million women and girls in 145 countries. That's how global the issue is. And, you know, honestly, until you and I started talking about it, I had no idea. None whatsoever. And I had a Halloween party here last weekend, and I was telling my friends about this. And because the book was sitting there on, on one of my tables, like, oh, what is this? So I was telling him, <clears throat> telling them about the work that you're doing. And I also mentioned, because one of my friends is born and raised in New Orleans, that you know, New Orleans had contacted you and said, hey, I see what you're doing, but we're here. Can you help us? And she said, well, yeah. And she said, the first thing that I said, too, is it's got to be the ninth ward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. It actually was. And 3,200 girls had the same issues as elsewhere. If you don't have what you need, what do you do? Nurses were giving them toilet tissue and God, oh, and, God. And things they paid for. And then the girls would turn their skirts around or the nurses would help wash them out and dry them and send them home missing school. So even here, what does a homeless woman do? What does a foster girl do? What does someone who's choosing between fuel for their gas tank or the next job interview and a pad choose? The basics that aren't this important biological need often move to the front and we can do both. This is the era that we can actually make this a priority and make menstrual equity a global reality. And I'm so glad you said menstrual equity because I'm seeing, listen, we live in a backwards world right now where there's an awful lot of just nonsense going on at government level everywhere where, you know, some government people are saying, well, we need to get tampons in the boys' bathrooms. No, you don't. So let's not even talk about that. But I just grip my teeth when I see stupidity like that abounding, but people like you who are making actual inroads into genuine problems are struggling to get your voice out. So that's why you're here. Thank you for helping elevate the awareness. And, and honestly, this book, in addition to making it clear what people have experienced and the incredible leadership they've taken to change things all over the world in their own communities. It's also, honestly, as we started out with proof, I think that is the New York, New York of of global issues. Kind of like that song, you know, if we can make it here, you can make it anywhere. If you can make something we don't even want to talk about into a global movement that lists millions, imagine what we can do for other issues we care about It really is truth that when we come together, we can make amazing things happen if we don't allow ourselves to be caught up in what we fear and what we hate. If we instead lean into what we love to see happen, then we have energy and vibrance and people linked together knowing that they can be the change. And that's what this book is about. Exactly. And in the green room a few minutes ago, you mentioned apathy. And boy, we're seeing a lot of that all over the place. My my guess is, and this is just an observation that I've had for quite a number of years now, is that there are so many things that are just going 
badly wrong in the world. It's global. It's not just America. It's not just, you know, few countries. There's a lot going on. And it seems to me like the whole world right now is operating under what I can only describe as a low-level sense of dread. Mm -hmm. Then here you come. And it's hard to be ignorant about what you're doing. It's hard to be apathetic about what you're doing because it is so important. And it is, in my my way of thinking, a ray of hope that there are people like you, people like the, the 145 countries doing this work who are saying, you know, this is not a huge deal. We can make this happen. Small steps. It is a huge deal, mm-hmm. but it's not an impossible thing to do. It's really, you're so right. It's doable. It's achievable. I think of it as the suffragette movement of our oh. day, that right. we weren't there for suffragette votes to be able to happen. But this one is, we can do this in our lifetime. We can undo the loss and we can give back days and we can make sure that menstruation, something that connects us all is no longer an issue, no longer a taboo, but seen for what it is, it connects every human on earth without periods, there would be no people. How did we get convinced that this was something we shouldn't actually be proud of and, and, and acknowledge? Exactly. It's never made any sense to me. It's part of our biology it's part of what we do it's part of how we populate the world so why are we you know some girls are said they're unclean some cultures Mm -hmm. will just put you outside as you said on a you know cardboard box to wait it out it's just horrifying it is and the best part is this is something we can change that gets me up in the morning and that's back to apathy If we're swirling in things that we feel so out of control with, it is really easy to go to apathy to think, why does my vote count? Why does my personal action count? Why does my opinion or passion count? And in reality, it is the only thing that counts because it is our actions that matter. And there are a lot of us. So if we connect up together, and decide to be the change we want to see in the world, we can. And back to, that's why I love Days for Girls and have loved seeing the change that happens with a simple shift. And we can do more of that in our world in many areas of focus. Absolutely. And you mentioned that you ran into this, and I'm going to ask the question, how did the seemingly taboo question, what are girls doing to manage menstruation, menstruation, change the course of your life and serve as a catalyst for launching days for girls how how did that happen (laughs) exactly it was one of those moments that you don't know it's about to change your whole life but there it is we were working in kenya with a friend's foundation we had been helping her and were introduced to an orphanage while there and and i just fell in love with the kids and knew i had to help fast forward and post-election violence happened. And an election that was so close erupted in both sides, not trusting each other. And and violence broke out that displaced half a million people in a relatively peaceful country. And so now the orphanage went up to 1,400 kids and they needed everything. And we had done everything we could to support it. It wasn't our orphanage, but we'd done many things to try to support the rising need. And then came the day I got an actual call saying that they were out of food. And 
I actually was raised in poverty and I know what it's like to go hungry for days. So that call just swept me over. I hit my knees and just said, please tell me what to do. I'll do anything. Just tell me how to help the kids. And I didn't get any kind of idea, not even a bad one. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so then I end up being um, 2.30 in the morning, wake up with a question, have you asked what the girls are doing for feminine hygiene? Not what I was asking. I ran to the computer with a gasp and, and emailed to ask, did not expect an immediate answer. And I got an immediate reply and it was nothing. They waited oh. in their rooms and they were waiting on pieces of cardboard, as you said, knowing the story so well since you've read the book and we've talked. And I knew that had to change. You, They weren't able to go to class. They weren't able to take care of themselves. So we were able to raise money for food and pads. And then came the moment that, that I was thinking about, well, what happens next month? If we send, send money and it's only enough for pads it, and they need food, it's gonna go to food and that would be the right choice. So right. make sure they have what they need. And we made washable pads. It turned out when we got there and shared education and explained to them how amazing their bodies are and why their strengths matter and how glad we were to be there to help them celebrate all their days. And they, the first set of girls came out. My husband snapped a photo of these Kenyan girls in beautiful red uniforms, huge smiles holding their washable kits. And then the first girl said with those smiles, thank you so much. Because before you came, we had to let them use us if we wanted to leave the room and go to class. You told me that last time, and I'm still just clutching my stomach over that. And for the audience, it means exactly what you think it means. Mm -hmm. They were being exploited in exchange for a single disposable pad. And that was a moment Days for Girls was born. And honestly, I didn't know it was elsewhere but what I did know was to listen. And when people didn't believe it could be, I kept asking them to ask. And the results were and have been people joining in. And to do that, thinking of business, it's meant sharing tools that made it possible for them to join in and communication, trusting them to utilize our tools, giving them branding and, and methods to know how to protect our brand. And... And to, and honestly, at first, I didn't think brand mattered at all, but how do they find us again? And how do they check back in so we can do monitoring and evaluation? Right. And so step by step, we became a global movement. And you didn't start out thinking, okay, I've got this. I'm going to start this nonprofit. I know everything I need to know. That wasn't <laughs> the case. It never no, is. No, but I'm guessing you learned step by step by step and corrected, course corrected when you needed to. Absolutely. But, I call yeah. that failing forward. There you go. Because you can't be open to creating something unless you're open to the possibility that you might make a mistake. So I believe that tenacious flexibility of entrepreneurial behavior is so important with any organization to be able to focus on what you want to have happen and to try things and to keep listening. Our pads have been through 33 iterations because of the genius of those we serve and listening. We've now had two patents for the genius of this pattern. 
I had never heard, I know this is going to sound silly, but I had never heard of washable pads. I think I shared with you, I had a hysterectomy when I was pretty young. So I'm just not aware of a lot that happens. I am now, but I wasn't. I wasn't either. Honestly, it was part of just that shock and going, what can we do that led me to researching? And there weren't patterns I could copy uh, at the time that I could find. And I I just, <clears throat> and honestly, the first design was not very great, but we kept at it. And the results have been um, a really, really good design. And I think for all businesses, being willing to listen and respond is a superpower. Absolutely. And you said something just now that is so important. You know, this is part of your entrepreneurial journey, whether that's what you had in mind or not. But after listening to you last week and listening and reading the book, I've read it several times now. It's for our audience. Please grab this book, make it a Christmas gift to yourself. You need this book, but you said something so important and that's entrepreneurial. So when you are working with, or when you started working with these people, you brought in leaders, you brought their teaching each other. You have started, in my view, an entrepreneurial journey for them as well. From the beginning. Right. Because if you want to create change, people support what they create. It's not you are bringing from the outside. It's something that they recognize they need. And if they get to participate in it, now it becomes their work, their movement. So it's easy to consider that when you're communicating about your new product or your new adventure, that it should be all about why it matters to you. And in actuality, in my opinion, it's far more important than it, why it matters to those you're working with and why the product or um, program is relevant to them. And if they participate, not only is it stronger, but it's also relevant to them and it also becomes the power of we, and that's when you build a movement. Oh, I'm writing that down, the power of we. Um, Celeste, I wanted to, to ask you, there are a lot of things that are hard to change in this world. We know this, but the lost days, the opportunities, and the shame suffered by those who do not have what they need for menstruation is something that you are changing in our lifetime and something that absolutely, as you mentioned, connects us all. So what are some of the biggest opportunities and challenges facing your work? And how do you see this evolving in the future? I think right now, there is a lot of conversation that is trying to complicate menstrual equity, in my opinion. This is Celeste Mergens, not Days for Girls speaking. I think that we tend to complicate things and the most genius, powerful things are simple. And I think yep, in our, I agree in on our um, desire to be more relevant to everyone, to be cutting edge, to be um, that that we may be stigmatizing and setting people to the side. And and I think that keeping it simple without periods, there would be no people. Everyone that needs a pad should have a pad. Let's keep this simple and let's let it scale. And let's not get lost in conversations that side rail us. This was one of the important decisions with Days for Girls from early on. Early on, it was not one 
nation, not one religion, not one um, nationality, but rather about the issue and about the girls. And by focusing on that, we were able to bring people together and, and sidestep silos. And I think one of the issues that we're facing today is our social media, our news, the conversations keep getting siphoned in the silos over many, many important issues. And I think it's going to take smart determination of individuals to really not get stuck in that and to say, um, we're going to take this on together. And menstrual equity is, is, is just as susceptible as everything else to getting lost in rhetoric instead of just, here's the facts. People need it. Let's make it happen together. Right. And like I said earlier, we've got, I'm going to call as Reba McIntyre would say, morons, people who are thinking that males need to have these products in their bathrooms. Why? Just the stupidity bothers me a lot. But they're trying, they're trying to say that some people that don't identify as men or as women need them. And, and, and the issue is that there are a lot of women and girls in this world whose needs are not met yet. And, right. and the, and I love being sensitive. I, I think being sensitive is important and we have not accomplished women's equity there's less pay, there's, there, women are treated as objects in parts of this world. Women are left in sheds to experience their period in remote and cold places. Women are, are not given the opportunities that men are right now. And while I don't want to create silos around, I think we all matter. It, it does distress me that we have so many swirling conversations that continue to endanger the equity of 50% of our planet. So for the sake of a, of a small amount of people, we're going to make it harder for others to get it. I, I think we have to find the balance between sensitivity and engagement. And, and that's a tough conversation. And I, I agree with you. Some of these things are really scary to me when they side rail vital conversations. Exactly. And you said it so much more graciously than I do, because I'm an impatient person. If you know me at all, you get that. <laughs> and I don't have any filters and I'm, you know, don't even try to hide that. But when oh, I yeah. see, <laughs> when I see things that honestly just make no sense at all, it's like, you know, it's a shame we gave up the insane asylums. It really is. Because some of this is just, nonsense and I have a bigger word for it but I won't say it on the radio but it drives me crazy to see crap like that take attention away from what you're doing which is very important and you say 50% of the world that all by itself is frightening I mean that is just tremendously frightening it's just an interesting time we live in right I want to say something different. I I want to say something really ugly, but you're so sweet. So we'll go with what you have to say. (laughs) That brings me back to something I heard recently at TED Women that I got the gift of attending. And and it was a woman that was saying that she asked a group, um, why 
of youth, why they weren't focused on like healthy environmental or climate change. Or, and I know some people don't believe that's real, but I think we're seeing it around us pretty clearly. Just look. But, um, and, and I'm so that would be in any way controversial. But she was pointing out that some of the things that people are focused on right now that you and I would feel are, are just why when they're really important things um, are because of apathy, because they feel like I can't do this, but I can change this. And, and so this is one of the reasons this swirling is one of the reasons it's so important that people know they really can make a difference that there are solutions for the hardest things that we can lean into and make a great difference. So I, I think it's really important to have these conversations like we're having that, that really can highlight, we can make a difference. Do not fall for all the worst case scenarios and, and know that when we even are kind to someone, when we choose to see the good and come from gratitude and seek, like we did with Days for Girls. It wasn't, okay, well, woe's us. We're just gonna have to help these few. Um, and it can only be this time because next month I can't send it again. It was a decision. What could we do that would give it to give them that freedom month after month? If we come from that kind of thinking that asks, what could we do? What small or replicatable thing could we do that could make a difference that me and my friends, my family could could be part of? That's a really important way to come at problem solving. It really is. And when you were talking earlier about, you know, you were trying to figure out how to feed these girls, you know, how to get food to them. Mm -hmm. But that really wasn't what something that apparently your inner being wanted to talk about. I don't know about you. When I go to sleep at night for the mm -hmm. final time, I sleep sporadically. Um, I always have, you know, I'm not one of those people that gets in bed and falls down, boom, and wakes up the next day. That doesn't happen. But when I think I'm going to finally go to sleep, I will turn over whatever is really concerning me or bothering me out loud to my subconscious for review it's kind of part of my prayers. It's also me talking to myself out loud. And I'll say, well, you know, this, I need an answer to this. Could you provide me an answer for this? Celeste, 318 every morning. It doesn't matter if I went to sleep at 1, 318 a.m. I wake up and I've got the answer. And I call those God winks. And it sounds like that's what happened with you. You had a God wink and you ran with it. Mm -hmm. I was stunned, Denise. I, I literally went... <gasps> You know, when, because I, I, and I couldn't believe I hadn't asked. I couldn't believe I, and, and I just was equally stunned to hear the answer. And don't you think that when we have those God wings, that, that it's also an invitation, an invitation. It is. And, it is. and we can do hard things that are, do not feel heavy because they are part of our purpose because they lift us, because we're joyful to engage in the puzzle of fixing or lifting or assisting or joining um, others to, to be part of the change. It's, it's really been a joy that wakes me up early to what's next, what's next. And, and I love that you puzzle it out before you go to bed. And 
think from, and I do that and think from gratitude, what went well today? What did I learn today? What, what did I see today? And I am officially, Denise, adding um, an answer that I need. I'm, I'm taking that from you. Do it. It works. I've done it. I don't even know how long I've done it. I think most of my life, it was just an instinct mm -hmm. because I know that my subconscious is very busy and I know that she's hoarding stuff and hiding it from me. So this is how I, I pull it out. Look, this is, you know, this is going to sound strange, but two Thanksgivings ago, and I'm thinking about it now because we're heading into Thanksgiving pretty quickly, but I woke up one night and my arm was so painful that I really caught myself wondering if I could just amputate it and, you know, keep on working. It was that painful and I couldn't figure it out. So the next day, same thing. I was like, what in the world is going on? Why? And I was in genuine pain. And I thought, this is not right. I didn't hurt it. I didn't sleep wrong. There, there's something wrong. So I turned it over to my subconscious for review. 318 shingles. I was like, what? I woke up. I wrote it down. Shingles. I thought those had been eradicated. I didn't know anything about it. The next morning I was, you know, this was the day before Thanksgiving. I was racing myself. And by then the blisters had shown up and I was like, okay, you know, Dr. Google told me it was shingles after all. And I raced over to the, the walk-in clinic and I couldn't put a bra on. I couldn't, I mean, I put on the biggest baggiest shirt I could find. And the doctor came in. She said, well, what is the trouble? And I just whipped up my shirt. She goes, shingles. I said, yep. <laughs> and off we went. That was horrifying. But I got my answer because I asked for it. Love that. And there's a timeline so you can have something that intervenes. So that was brilliant. Wow. Well, I, you know, I'm thinking, you know, the shingles, I thought that was gone. I was thinking scurvy, apparently. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever, whatever it was, it hurt like a bastard. <laughs> oh, it really did can be dangerous if it's on your near your eyes or I know I know and it lasted for months and I still have some residual mm -hmm. nerve damage in my arm that I can still feel every once in a while it's like but at least I was able to get to the doctor and say I think this is what the problem is and you know I was in and out and over to the pharmacy and nothing flat wow definitely but, using that technique yeah do it because it really does work. I mean, if you're asking specific, and you've said this multiple times, you need to ask, ask the questions, mm -hmm. ask yourself. Mm -hmm. so yeah. It does work. I actually call it questioneering because, <laughs> because it is, when you get curious about something, it shifts you from fear. It shifts you from feeling like you cannot be the change maker in something happening in your life. So when you shift to asking, um, when you shift to gratitude, when you shift to curiosity, go, hmm, yeah, I mean, I literally use hmm, and then I'm curious about that. It shifts your whole mindset into a different place that is not, that is more about being creative and making a solution and feeling playful with it instead of that place of fear and I have no control. So it's it's a really important thing to ask. It is. And, and, and in I scripture, it's asking it shall be given. So yeah. it's, it's a big deal. 
And you talk a lot about gratitude, as do I. And you told me one time that your license plate is G-R-A-T-A-2-D, gratitude. Yes. And, and I love that. I would get it if I could. But <laughs> And, you know, you talk about how practicing gratitude significantly impacts various aspects of your life, from work to success to better relationships mm-hmm. and everything in between. And I think that's an important I think it's important for you to share, you know, tell people, is there anything in particular recently where you were just like, oh my gosh, that just perfect. Well, and I, well, yes, I can tell you when it just happened. And I also, did we talk about mind the gap, the technique that I did? We did. We did. We We covered that. that. Mm -hmm. So I was recently and that's what happens when you talk back to back. We don't know. We're just continuing. Right. Um, There. I was at a conference and while I was there, a woman said, I got your book, Celeste, and I'm halfway through. Did I tell you this? You did, but Okay, keep, oh never it. mind then. Oh, never no, mind. say it again never because mind. I thought it was important the first time you told it. So if anybody listening to us now did not hear that first episode, go back. But yeah, yeah please tell yeah. us. Because it really is. Um, I could have spent six hours worried about you know, she wasn't saying anything nice or not, not saying anything because she had nothing nice to say. And then to find out six hours later, she actually loves the book. Um, we dwell on things sometimes that lead us into feeling bad, feeling hopeless, feeling angry. And it never even was a thing. I had a woman just the other day come up to me and tell me that something I said five years ago was still making her feel sad. And like, I don't even remember that. And I promise I wasn't even focused on that. And what does that have to do with gratitude? It has to do with if something offends us and we feel hurt by it, if we shift to gratitude, if we say, actually, I am just really glad we've been friends so many years and this has never been an issue. She's never said something that sounded like she didn't trust me. And I'm going to focus on that. And and I'm going to find, I'm really grateful we're good enough friends. I could ask her about it. I'm going to put it on my list to ask her about it. By coming from that place, it's, it's like a key that unlocks. And, and the more what we focus on comes into focus. And so the more we focus on gratitude with our teams, with our, with our uh, day-to-day activities, the more we see of the good things and the proof, because The truth is our brains do default to negative. We were made that way to keep us safe. And more than 98% of our thoughts are automatically by the subconscious and by the amygdala. So when we default to gratitude, we're kind of stealing back that negative default and saying, actually, I want more positive in my life. And, And so it's a superpower for building teams, for living a happier life. It it's really powerful in my experience. It is. And I'll tell you how I learned to be a lot more grateful than I had been Mm. for, for a long, long time. You know, I'm kind of a brat, so I don't think I was all that grateful for much, but 10 years ago or more, I had a gentleman come on my show and he had been given six months to live. He had a really 
nasty cancer going on in his body and he was given six months i'll be honest with you somebody tells me you've got six months i'm going to tell him to drop dead and go do my own thing but that's just me but he said you know he did the surgery he needed to do that but he gave, he didn't go with all the doctor wanted him to do he thought you know i can do this on my own i believe in my body i believe in in how i can operate and he said, and this was 10 years ago, he's still around. He embarked on what he called um, massive gratitude daily. He had just massively grat- grateful for everything. And he made it a point if he had a negative thought or if he had something that was going to worry him about an upcoming doctor appointment, he would sh- you know, shunt it over to the side and concentrate on what he was grateful for. It could be watching the squirrels in the trees. It could be, you know, taking his kids to go buy shoes after they ruined the last four pairs. It could be anything. And he's still here. So mm-hmm. I listened to him. I went, oh, okay. I think the man's got something here. And I practice massive gratitude every chance I get. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll drink water out of the hose in the backyard. Thank you, water. I love water. Yeah, it's just, I'm grateful for everything. Me too. Exactly. For everything. Even a pain in my body. Now, I'm not saying default doesn't go to crumb. Why is this happening? Yeah. Yeah, it's not shingles, is it? <laughs> but then it's like, actually, whatever you're trying to tell me, body, thank you. I'll, I'll try to figure it out. Um, be a little more obvious, but I, I hear you, right? And I'm thankful for a body that can feel, which sounds funny, but it's just a choice, right? And it gives you so much more peace of mind. And worry is a form of negative prayer and gratitude. Oh, say that again. That's important. Say it again. Worry is a form of negative prayer. And gratitude is a form of magnificent prayer. <laughs> like it magnif- because it magnifies everything and when you come from that joyful playful place everything is easier and that's just the truth it's proven and and it makes the heavy things easier and and you know it takes a moment to make a memory and if you are you can have beautiful incredible miracles happen to you all day long and if you're focused on the things that hurt focused on the past focused on the um, on things you're worried about, then you could miss them. They could be dancing all around you and you might spot it, but you won't remember it unless you take just a moment to go, I see you, that's pretty amazing. I, see I like you. that, Golden I Lee. see you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and listen, your book starts by chronicling your own experience experiences and you did not have a happy childhood so what you're doing now and you know facing those personal challenges and getting all past it to live in massive gratitude I think that's fascinating it's been one of the healers along the world right and I really have seen even from an early age that one of the things that I saw people in pain, creating more pain for others. It wasn't because they're evil in my experience. It was people in pain perpetuating pain. And one of the things I noticed as a pattern was 
that they didn't live in gratitude. Like we would have the gift of actually getting to go to a restaurant when we often were very hungry. And, and I'd be like, ooh, and, and there would be ill speak to the waiters, like being rude and being, um, being demanding and, and not in any way saying, wasn't that amazing? And, and I noticed, I noticed that they would walk out and say how bad the service was, how, no. how bad the gravy was. And I'm like, we just have gravy. And, <laughs> and the truth is we have a lot of people walking around complaining about the amazing gravy and lovely things in our lives. And, and I watched, I watched the adults in my life continue to feel the pain, continue to magnify the pain and miss the miracles. Gratitude helps you see, witness, magnify, and increase those beauties in your life. Very much, very much. And I'm guessing, in fact, I'm not guessing, I know for a fact mm -hmm. that the girls and the women that you are impacting across the world have that same gratitude. They do. It is so incredible to watch them dance with them and hug them and their days for girls kids and and celebrate the education they often walk in and they're a little slump like oh and then then by the end their shoulders are high and they're they're talking together and they have incredible things to share with us about what they've been through and what they're committed to and how it shifts things for them is amazing to watch someone go from I'm embarrassed about my body right. I'm a liability to I am a strength is is huge and 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 my gratitude to observe that and to see the change is has been immense I marvel that something so direct and simple is so effective in creating change it really is proof to me that there are more keys to reversing cycles of poverty and harm and violence that we can find and engage in if we'll stay open. I love that. Do you have any stories that you can share about, you know, some of the things that these girls are sharing with you as they take control of their own bodies, they take control of their education and they start networking and helping other people. I would love to hear some stories. One of my favorite happened years ago, and it's in the book, it, so you know this one. Um, it happened in Zimbabwe, and we had been on the roads to get to this community since 3 a.m., um, traveling the tarmac in the dark, and then during the early hours hitting the, the very rough dirt roads. And as we came to them, it took far longer than we expected. We arrived and now only had time to teach one group of 75 um, to have their days for girls, kids and the education. And at that time they were making them as well, which we don't do anymore uh, because we want them to have one that will last years and years and years. And, and there were only 75 that got to participate. They came back after uh, four months having tried to get there as soon as possible because the first sets of girls that were not able to come in, there were hundreds of them, were leaning into the windows and doors saying, me, pick me, I need, oh. I need this. And it was just heartbreaking. So imagine they waited another four months. They were able to come back. They get there. They left the material as token that I promise we're coming back. 
they get back and they say the material is gone. And Linda, who is the woman leading this from Zimbabwe said, what happened? And they explained that they were used to make these Days for Girls kits. Well, if you've ever participated and you can volunteer with Days for Girls, you know, this is a labor of love. This is not easy to make a quality Days for Girls washable component that lasts for years, up to, we say two to three, but up reports have come in up to seven. And oh, so wow. imagine that she gets there and it's gone and she asks, what did they use it for? And, it, and they made kits with them. One girl remembered everything to be able to repeat it and make Days for Girls kits for the rest of the 200 girls. And she asked who? And it was a 12-year-old girl named Gotsu who's standing in a pink and white striped shirt in the photo she sent me. And she said, when asked what she felt about what she had done and, and how she did it and what she thought about it, she said, I am no longer an orphan. I am a leader of women. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm clutching my stomach again, in a good way. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? And she was 12 years old. Well, and she was the change maker in her community. And this was someone who was orphaned and felt like she was, you know, not one of the leaders there. So it's so huge. Again, back to let people take the lead. We don't have to fix or change or see people as lesser than because of their circumstances. In actuality, everyone matters. And what I love is it is often our weaknesses that make us interested, leaning in, make us a sponge for more learning, make us willing to stay open to bring more knowledge in and make us the person that understands the problem and is willing to go all in because they understand the gravity. It is often the weaknesses that we disqualify ourselves with I'm not ready. I'm not strong enough. I'm not the one that's educated. I'm not the one that blank fill in blank here. And in truth, that why wouldn't you be? Because you understand if you feel called to it, understand it, feel driven by it, find the place, lean in. And, and, and the best part is there are seasons. So you can listen to the thing that calls to you in the season. And, and you can surf with this amazing life we've been given. And it is, there's not just your strengths, your, your weaknesses that qualify you. And when we come together, it's like puzzle pieces. They don't stay together if we're all the same shape. They stay together and link tight when there are differences. And, and that to me is proof that we're all needed. And oftentimes, and I've noted this about myself and other leaders, that mm -hmm. we will try to control everything and we are our own bottleneck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So don't do that. I and call that it. tinker toys. Ooh. So <laughs> if you're trying to build a beautiful machine and and you notice that that will keep going, that that you can put your finger on the parts that really mattered, but the rest of it keeps flowing. And if you decide that you need to be the one to hold this point and this point and this point, that bottleneck to your point, Denise, is, is a tinker toy. You're making your beautiful machine have a couple tinker toys here and there because they're your hobby, not because it will make things go better, because 
you know you're good at it, not because others aren't. And and maybe even insecure that if you don't hold it, it won't go well, but that's a choice to put a tinker toy in. So, so I've literally asked my teams, is it a tinker toy or is this a place you really want to lean in with your energy because it will make the biggest difference because it's a lever. Is it a tinker toy or is it a lever that helps everything else engage better? And the thing is, if you're being the bottleneck or the tinker toy, you are actively, whether you mean to or not, preventing other people from stepping up and saying, hey, I can help. I can do that. I may be able to do it better. Absolutely. And I've accidentally um, made the mistake of insulting board members. And I didn't think I was. You know, boards are hard to work with sometimes because it can be egos. And it, to your point, um, I have made the mistake of feeling like I got this, everybody. I don't want anyone to feel like you have to take over now. So I've got this and here's my beautiful full color report that shows you all the ways we're thriving and engaging and let's all cheer together. Thank you for being part of this board. Appreciate you go past the word and fundraise. When in reality I had in that room, some of the most passionate, talented, engaging, vibrant human beings and, and I was trying to just be really good at it, trying to be a good steward. But in reality, until I was on the other side and I was a board member who was sitting there and they just reported to me and took our good ideas, claiming it as his own and and didn't ask us to engage with our strengths. I just went, why am I even here? And we do that when we have A players and we don't allow them to swing away with their, all their might. They're left feeling like, why am I even here? And you reduce the impact you can make. Well, how did they take you to the woodshed and correct your thinking? Uh, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. I know. I had to actually, um, I, I wish I had understood. I literally didn't understand what they were saying. You know, when they're like, we want to be more part of this. We want to dig our hands in deeper. It's like, well, I've given you this and this and this to work on and you're in charge of monitoring and valuation and you're doing this. So, so that's good, right? You each have an assignment. I felt like I was needing to make an assignment for them and that was more work for me. I didn't understand that it was actually important to, um, until I experienced it and I got to be the one sitting there feeling like, gee, that he doesn't even realize I, I can actually do almost all the things he's asking. And I'm standing here with my hands up going, pick me. And, and I'm not being engaged. Why am I even wasting my time, right? It wasn't until I experienced that, that I went, oh. <laughs> How many, I'm sorry, calls did you make after that? Like, uh, yeah, a few. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. This is what, and we're running out of time. We do this and I'm so sorry. We've got about five more minutes. So mm -hmm. Celeste, what are some of the biggest misconceptions or myths about the power of days that you're hearing or seeing and how do you address them? I think one of them is that menstrual inequity is somewhere else. It's over there. And yep. You raised so perfectly that, no, it's everywhere. I think one of the moments that was the biggest aha for me was when a community named Edmonds, Washington, 
had hundreds of girls who didn't have what they needed and hundreds and hundreds in a very affluent community, you know, overlooking the water kind of. I know I'm aware of it. Right. And you just go, wow. And, and so that's one. And, and the second thing is this stigma that, that menstruation faces. I, I think that it's such a huge opportunity for us to go, where did that come from? And how can I, make a new decision about that personally. Um, I think we think of it as, oh, that's interesting. And that has nothing to do with me. Even if this is something you don't care about, it's a huge opportunity to shift within our own selves. And and I find that whole process fascinating. I don't know if I shared with you last time, but recently I came up with a, a thing called the tp test and it is that did we talk about that denise no okay so here's what it is if you put at the grocery store a packet of toilet paper and a packet of period products and there is any difference in the way you feel when you set these two things on the grocery counter even if you're just imagining it where did that come from and how might you make a new decision where did it come from? I think that we have for many, many, many eons, we, there was a time when it was hard to manage when they didn't have proper useful um, materials. They had to do it in very difficult ways. And like we see all over the world, maybe using newspaper or mattress stuffing and rags, oh no kind of um, moisture barrier. And, and so there was like, you just can't be by people, right? And and not having the education of what a menstrual cycle is and how it connects us all, that those things set us into a pattern of, oh, 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 shh, do not talk about that. And don't, don't send your daddy to buy those products. He won't do it. Exactly. And we fell for that and, and then it gets passed on. I know that when I learned about it, um, I got the, okay, Here's the thing, and you might have some need to talk about this. And and shh, everybody, we're gonna have a secret classroom conversation. And and why why when it should be, hey, everybody, come on in. We get to talk about another amazing parts of our body and how they work. Our bodies are so amazing, and that's the way Days for Girls conducts our education. And and so each of us gets to be part of that. If you have a niece, a a granddaughter, a a daughter and uh, any kind of friend's daughter who um, who recognizes that their period is about to start and suggests you have an, a party. Let's have a party. This is amazing. And um, there, are, there are ways or just simply recognize if you bat your eyes three times if someone says the word period <laughs> and decide personally, actually that's old programming I heard and experienced and felt and and actually I am an educated smart aware person and I'm choosing right here and right now to be grateful that I have education grateful there are products and grateful that I can be part of the shift well listen and you know you talk about what we don't know mm -hmm. when I was growing up nobody discussed it with me and if my mom had periods which obviously she did I didn't know about it because it was in her bathroom it was away from us mm -hmm. we didn't know about it and when I got my first cycle, I thought I was dying. 
I had no idea I was in pain, a lot of pain, but I could not figure out why I was bleeding and why I was in pain. I was hysterical. I'm normally a pretty calm person. I was hysterical. Nobody told me that I was going to die when I was 15 years old or whatever age I was. I was scared stupid. Yes. And that's a common thing if we don't have the education in time. Did you know some girls are more girls are starting their periods at eight or nine? I do and know. And they don't yeah. often have that education by then. So this no. is so important that we not put more people through what you went through. Well, and, you know, I wasn't all that young. I think I was 14 or 15 years old, which to me, you know, thinking back was about the age. But yeah. now you're right. And I hear that, you know, very young children, and there's a lot of conspiracies, theories going on. Yeah, it's the the food. It's, you know, just all kinds of things. Yeah, just the things we eat, the way we're, we're raised. But a lot of different reasons for that happening. But you're right. They, they are not educated or mature enough to understand that you know this is normal this is going to happen and unlike Denise you're not going to die <laughs> it's really scary. that's really common we have a lot of girls that felt that way and Kenya a girl once came up and she was beautiful tall statuesque is the perfect word for her Kenyan girl and she had just been taught to be an ambassador of health to teach her community and she said you know I when when I started going through my period, I didn't know what it was. And because of the stigma of, of AIDS in their community, she thought that oh. it, and the warning of AIDS, she said, I thought I had AIDS and my pa parents died of AIDS and I was raising my children. And I thought I'll make it as, or her siblings, I'll make it as long as I can um, and survive as long as I can. But this is it. I have AIDS too now. And because of the stigma of AIDS, she didn't tell anyone. And so all over the world, needless suffering and, and fear, because we're afraid to talk about this, let's, let's be the generation that says no more. We've got this. Exactly. Celeste, where can people who are listening to this and the, the prior episode and reading your book, and I genuinely hope that as many of you who are listening, buy it for you, buy it for your family, buy it for your entrepreneurial library. It really is a must-read book. But where can people find you to say, I need to be part of this? How can they help? They can find Days for Girls at the daysforgirls.org website. And they can find me on social media anywhere, Celeste Mergens. And I have a website that you can find the book or just Google the book, The Power of Days. And, um, and you can find it and get it anywhere books are sold. So if I wanted to get involved, mm -hmm. what are the questions I should ask? What What do you offer? Do you, are you looking for donations? Are you looking for people to actually step up and help? What are you looking for? Both. Days for Girls donations make a huge difference. We have a low overhead and and it is incredible how far donations go. 13 to $15 creates a girl getting the education and a washable menstrual kit that lasts years. Can you imagine changing her whole opportunity? So donations to Days for Girls make a huge difference and further the program so much. And you can also volunteer. So if you go to the website, you can look for chapters and there may be one very close to you all over the world. There are chapters of Days for Girls 
that make days for girls kits that advocate advocate for menstrual equity and that help get them into the hands of those that need them locally and abroad a lot of focus with volunteers is emergency response for oh. refugees and emergencies and and oh it makes such a difference so you can use your own two hands your resources and the way you respond to menstrual equity with your with your mouth your hands with your engaging and truly help change this in the world you know i've mentioned the holidays a couple of times christmas is coming thanksgiving is in tomorrow from as quick as we, this whole year has gone so fast i'm thinking what month is this what day oh heck thanksgiving's next day you know, it's just it's crazy but i'm mentioning that for a reason because if you are looking for some way to help other people and really spend your money in a way that makes a difference go donate yes it's a great christmas gift do it in somebody else's name if you need to. Do it in your name, but please help out. So what I wanted you to do is, one more time, tell people where to find you. I know you already did, but if you don't mind, do it again. Sure. Okay. You can find Days for Girls on the web at daysforgirls.org. And you can find me anywhere you find social media, Celeste Mergens. I would love to hear what you think of the book and how you react to it and what it means to you. It's got a lot of beautiful reviews you can look at to see if you agree with Denise, this is a book you should have. And you can find the book at uh, thepowerofdays.com. There are links and reviews there as well. Got it. And I wrote my review a couple of days ago. It's out there. Listen, oh, my pleasure. As we conclude today's episode, your feedback means a lot. It means a lot to me and my guest. So if you found the show helpful, please do support us with a quick review on iTunes. Your input is vital in my mission to inspire and empower more individuals. So don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with friends and colleagues. You can also leave a review on my podcast website, yourpartnerinsuccessradio.com. And be sure to go find Celeste Mergens on the web and connect with her. So thank you for tuning in. Celeste, thank you. You have been an absolute joy to meet and communicate with. I'm so glad to have met you. It really has been a joy.